Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. It's time for another Benny J bonus interview brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. Bonus time to Ben Jarofsky show as I speak. It's Tuesday, August 30th, 2022. Of course, you can listen to this anytime. Here's a headline in today's Chicago Sun-Times to give you an idea of what's going on in the world as we have this conversation. And I'm going to make it sort of appropriate for the conversation I'm about to have. <laughs> uh, this is a headline on Rick Tellender's column. Rick Tellender, good friend of the show, comes on uh, from time to time. Great sports writer. Uh, no lion. Bears O may not be O so bad. Man, sometimes you got to quit with these puns. I don't think I, <laughs> I don't think a normal non-sports fan in the world would know what that's should be. It's like hieroglyphics. What does that even mean? Sometimes, come on, you know I love you, bright one. I subscribe to you. I, I'm like holding up the whole operation with my subscription, uh, home subscription, I should say. No lion. So that's a pun on lying, because uh, it says lion, L-I-O-N, as a Detroit lion. Oh. Wait. Anyway, I'll just I'll just explain it. Uh, Mike Martz, former coach of the Chicago Bears, longtime NFL coach, said the Bears, Chicago Bears, my beloved Chicago Bears, that I root for year after year after year since 1966. I don't even think my uh, distinguished guest was born when I started rooting for the Bears. My beloved Chicago Bears have the worst offensive line in football, worse than the offensive line for the uh, Detroit Lions team. I think it was in 2008 that went. They didn't win a game. They went 0-16. So Rick Tallender riffs on it. Yes, it's time to talk football. Uh, it is our first annual NFL uh, preseason show. We usually do these shows in the middle of the seasons where I'm wailing about my beloved Bears and how badly they're doing. But I thought it would be good uh, to reach out to an old friend of mine uh, who knows probably more about football or as much about football as anybody in journalism today. So without further ado, I'm going to ask my distinguished guest, to introduce himself, distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Hey, everyone. I'm Vinny Iyer, and I know Ben through a mutual friend of ours, uh, Northwestern. We uh, keep it strong, all our connections. So always connected with each other. I cover NFL for the Sporting News, and I've done it for 21 years. So it's uh, continuing that tradition here in another season. It seems like just the other day that Jay Cutler was suiting up for the Bears and we were looking at his upside here and uh, what were the Bears going to do and that fun stuff and uh, they somehow got to a Super Bowl with Rex Grossman I was at Sporting News for that so a lot of uh, twists and turns with the Bears over the years and Lovey Smith has uh, been cycled through went to Illinois now he's still a head coach with the Texans but the Bears move on here with a new coach, a fun name to say, Matt Eberflus. So at least they're going to have a fun coach name to say. And uh, there's no more Matt Nagy, who uh, Bears fans were getting tired of. All right. 
there's a lot to break down, but let me just uh, start by saying something about this man's credentials. I don't know if he remembers this. First of all, this guy's really smart. He went to Northwestern, as he already mentioned. He was uh, in Jeopardy. Uh, he was a contestant in Jeopardy. Uh, maybe the only sports writer in America who was a contestant in Jeopardy. I, I believe you are, uh, Vinny. But so here was the moment. Let me set the scene. There was a group of football guys, uh, Northwestern grads, sitting in my living room, and we were watching a college football. It, we we like watch four football games in one day. We'd been to one live one at Northwestern, and then we came home and watched them. It was Iowa. I think they were playing Stanford, but I could be wrong. Anyway, the University of Iowa was playing this team. I don't know if any even remembers this. A halfback. There was like. Seven seconds left to go in the game. Iowa had the ball. They were up by one. Okay? Follow me in this, ladies and gentlemen. The halfback breaks through the line. He's racing for a touchdown. I, enthusiastic fan, my uh, oldest daughter went to Iowa. I was like, yeah, go! And I wanted him to score a touchdown. He ran into the end zone, at which point Vinny said, what a dumb mistake. I'm paraphrasing because I don't want to say what he really said. <laughs> what a dumb mistake that was. Like, what are you talking about, Vinny? You don't know what you're talking about. Anybody would want to score a touchdown. And then Vinny pointed out. You remember this, Vinny? You pointed out that if he just took a knee on the five-yard line, the clock would have expired. They would have won the game. Instead, he scores the touchdown. They go up by uh, seven. No, they go up by eight with the extra point, but they have to kick off. They have to kick off. This guy thought of this. Like, do you remember that? Do you remember that? Yes, I, I do, and I think that team did tie the game. So, I no, I, no, they did not. No, they maybe did not. they okay. came close. Maybe they came right. close. <laughs> but I maybe was like, they came close. No, uh, uh, I think what it was that they recovered the. Uh, uh, <laughs> they think they made, so they the other team had like a last shot to win the game as a result of this guy scoring the touchdown as opposed to uh, just any game. All right, that just shows you yes. Vinny's uh, credentials. All right, let's take let's start with the obvious one, the Chicago Bears, my beloved Bears. Uh, there was nothing but pessimism uh, through most uh, throughout Chicago coming into uh, a training camp. Uh, Vinny, uh, the Bears are 3-0 and in the preseason. I know preseason doesn't matter, but it has somehow or other drained the pessimism from Chicago. And now, God forbid, there is optimism among Bears fans. What's your sense of how the Bears will do this year? Go ahead. Well, I think it's managing expectations. I mean, last year, Justin Fields came in. He was hot off his Ohio State career. Everyone thought, okay, he's rolling the preseason. He's going to be a franchise quarterback right from the get-go. But then he was coached by Matt Nagy. He wanted to put an Andy Dalton in to start at quarterback and hold back Justin Fields, not let him run all the things that made him so exciting at Ohio State. So all that optimism and expectation from last year, it uh, just kind of waned by the end of last season. Everyone was down on Justin Field. Is he ever going to figure this out? We don't like his coaching staff. So now the expectations are low. You get in that new coach, Matt Eberflus, again, a fun name to say, and an offense that actually might seem a little bit more organized, that wants to actually help Justin Fields and look, it's going to be tough. I and mean, the Bears' defense is not what the Bears' defense is used to being. It's a work in progress right now. They had to fire the general manager as well as their coach. They're just trying to create some new feelings here. So you go in with low expectations. You don't expect anything much out of this team. If they show you anything on the positive side, you're going to feel good about it. And I think it's a lot like Northwestern. When we expect too much, they usually don't do as well and they disappoint us but when there's not much there then 
you're going to say anything the Bears do to come out of the season as a positive, it's going to be feeling good for 2023. Uh, by the way, when it comes to Northwestern, I uh, I just always expect them to disappoint. So, for instance, they they won against Nebraska and Dublin. I'm fully expecting them to lose their next game September 10th against a mediocre Duke team. I'm predicting it already. I know I will be dis- I will be at that game and I will be disappointed. Um, all right, let's move on from Northwestern, and I'll resist the temptation to just turn this whole show into the discussion of Northwestern. Uh, and uh, let's stick with the Bears. Uh, Ryan Pace has just left uh, the Bears as general manager. I have long subscribed to the notion that he is perhaps the worst general manager uh, in the history of Chicago sports. And I base that on uh, his – I'm not quite sure what word to use, uh, but I'll just say his uh, unusual decision to uh, – Trade up, ladies and gentlemen, trade up to draft Mitch Trubisky uh, over Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is clearly one of the greatest quarterbacks who's ever played the game, arguably the best quarterback of this century. Mitch Trubisky is mediocre. Um, So in retrospect, having had time to assess his performance, Vinny, do you think Ryan Pace uh, is as bad as I say, or do you think I'm being unfair to him? Well, I think this is something interesting Ben, that you should know about is uh, if we give a general manager an award at Sporting News, it's not good news for him. It usually <laughs> means he's going to lose his job. And that is the fickle nature of being a general manager in the NFL. He was just a few years ago named Sporting News Executive of the Year. Remember the season they turned things around and got to the playoffs and everything was exciting again. And then just a few short years later, he's out of a job. So it's usually a curse that comes with it. So you can blame us a little bit for Ryan Pace uh, struggling and uh, meeting his uh, eventual demise in this organization. But look, he did his best. I think the coaching staff with John Fox and Matt Nagy didn't quite all come together with your general manager and the vision. Everyone was kind of all over the place. So. He was a little hurting in that aspect of the job. So I think he did the best he could. I think there were some pieces of talent he's left on this team to move forward with. So now it's about making those guys work with the new guys coming in. So I I look at the Bears and look, it's a fresh slate. This is what they needed. You're not going to catch the Packers for a while with Aaron Rodgers there. The Vikings are about to phase out and we'll figure out what they're going to do with quarterback. And the Lions are the Lions. They can't quite figure things out completely yet. So this is a good time to kind of reset, reboot the Bears. And I think that's why there's some good feelings here. I talk about resetting the Bears. Do you agree with uh, Mike Martz that they have the worst offensive line uh, in football, worse uh, or as bad as the Lions team that didn't win one game? I think it's pretty bad, but I actually think there's one offensive line that's worse, and it's the Raiders. And uh, in their final cutdown, the Raiders got rid of a first-round pick at left tackle from 2021. He wasn't even good enough to be on their bad line. So I think the Bears can maybe look down upon the Raiders and feel good about that, but that's about it. I don't think there's any line that's – any worse than the Bears at this point, but it's not all about the offensive line. You can get it done in different ways here. There's a lot of optimism in other positions of this offense for the Bears. So in other words, are you saying that there's uh, ways that you can compensate for a less than uh, stellar offensive line if you have a a smart person uh, calling the plays? 
Yeah, I think uh, this line is also pretty good at run blocking. So let's get that straight as they are decent at doing that. They have pretty good backfield here. David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert. There's some potential in this running game. And some of the concepts they had were just bad in the previous regime. So a lot of stuff. I know we hate the Packers there in Chicago, but they stole from the Packers. They got a guy from their offense. So they saw what the Packers are doing. They wanted a piece of that. So I think that's a good direction in which to go. Now, I think this offensive line could overachieve a little bit. So I'm going to reserve judgment until the end. But on paper, not looking like the best. But I am excited about some of their uh, pass catchers and runners, though. All right. And just to, to that point, that was the uh, the the theme of Rick Tellender's column that I began by alluding to where he said uh, after Mike March's column, the bar is so low with the offensive line that any – like. Five year five yard gain by a running back will elevate peop, uh, people's assessment. In other words, when expectations are low, uh, then you're happier with a mediocrity. That was sort of the theme of his column. Um, all right, I noted uh, Bears fans were very excited on Saturday, last final game against the Cleveland Browns. Justin Fields had an outstanding game. Uh, interestingly enough, also having an outstanding game, I believe it was on Sunday, not Saturday, was Mitch Trubisky. Uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers, I believe Mitch was like 15 for 20 or 15 for 19, which is pretty pretty good for any quarterback, let alone Mitch Trubisky. Uh, so I will ask you this tough question. Uh, if you were the general manager of the Chicago Bears, who would you rather have as your quarterback, Mitch Trubisky or Justin Fields? It's got to be Justin Fields. I mean, you know what Mitchell Trubisky is. He's going to be a bit Jekyll and Hyde. You know what he can do. He's got a big arm. He can move around. but he can't put it all together. We know that. When he plays for an extended period of time, he doesn't make the decisions. He doesn't look comfortable out there. So I think Mitchell Trubisky, as we like to say in the business, he looked the part, but he didn't put it all together. Now, Justin Fields, I think, is a little bit more developmental. He doesn't have it all together right away, but I, I think he can get there faster than Mitchell Trubisky can. I still think he's chasing that at this stage in his career, Trubisky, where I think Justin Fields, it's hard to have a big change in offense from your rookie year to your next year. But I think it's a positive impact on Justin Fields here. And I think he's special as a runner. He won a lot of games at Ohio State. He was top flight in a big time program where Mr. Trubisky had one good year at North Carolina. You don't know what you were going to get from him. He had all the potential, but not the execution. I think Justin Fields is going to be closer to the execution here. I uh, this is why I say it was the worst draft choice uh, of definitely in my life. It's the worst decision any general manager made has made in Chicago sports, and that includes uh, trading like uh, Lou Brock. The Cubs traded Lou Brock. Okay, that's generally considered the worst decision anybody made. I would put on that list uh, the. Um, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf and the Chicago Bulls prematurely closing down uh, the Michael Jordan era. I think they uh, had a, more of a hand in that than they will uh, ever acknowledge. Cubs trading Greg Maddox. I could go on. No, not trading him, but just not signing him, allowing the Atlanta Braves. Vinny, I could go on and on. Every team said some. The, the Blackhawks letting Bobby Hull uh, leave town. All right. These are some of the. But I would argue that, tr again, trading up for a mediocre. What you, you clearly just pointed out was a mediocre talent. Uh, and bypassing Patrick Mahomes uh, was the worst decision. Before I moved to the Packers, did you, Vinny, see the greatness in uh, Patrick Mahomes when he was uh, a college player? 
did you th- realize that he would be as great as he is? I think he had some of the potential with the arm that he had was really incredible. And he was a pretty good athlete. He had the uh, baseball player genes in him. So there were some things that you really liked about him. But here's the thing, Ben. You can be a very talented quarterback, but you need the guy to handle you right. you got to have the right offensive system to really get the most out of your talents. And Justin Fields was not in that with Matt Nagy. I don't think Mitchell Trubisky was in that with Matt Nagy. So you turn the page. you got to give your quarterback a chance, play to his strengths. Don't just try to fit him into the box you want to try to work with what you've got. And I think that was the problem with Matt Nagy. He wanted to have his quarterbacks operate in a different way. Well, you look at the Chiefs and what they saw with Patrick Mahomes, they knew exactly what they were going to do with him. you got to have a plan. you got to know how that player is going to fit in your system, especially a quarterback. And that's what makes uh, some young quarterbacks succeed and some just fade really quickly. Yeah, and I'd like to point out that the aforementioned Matt Nagy, uh, after the Bears fired him, uh, got a job as the quarterback coach. I'm not making this up, ladies and gentlemen, for the Kansas City Chiefs, which means he will now be, quote-unquote, supervising Patrick Mahomes, who's probably telling him, don't give me any advice, okay? Just, just sit there and look pretty, all right? All right, let's uh, briefly do the Packers uh, and a, t- a team that I just abhor uh, pretty much everything about them. Uh, particularly their uniform colors. I just can't stand the uniform colors. Uh, and uh, I'm surrounded by Packer fans. Uh, my son-in-law, Vinny, um, Brian, shout out, Brian. I love you dearly, but he's a diehard Packer fan. Uh, my granddaughter will be raised by a Packer fan. Let's just pause to think about that for a moment. Uh, and many of the people who come on my show, good lefties, good political lefties are Packer fans. I deal with this. Uh, I'm hoping uh, you will use your knowledge of football to predict a horrible year for the Packers, but I sense that you're optimistic about other chances this year. So what's your general thoughts on the Green Bay Packers? Well, there's been some things to say that the sky's been falling in Green Bay. They made that Devontae Adams trade. They were saying, who is Aaron Rodgers going to throw to? He's still getting on his receivers now. When are you guys going to step up for me? Devontae would have never done this. You guys need to start playing well for me. So he's been on his guys here. I, I look at the rest of this team, however. What have they done the last few years? Win 13 games of the regular season. That's almost the expectation every year, but now we know what the big question mark is for the Packers. Are they ever going to get to that big game again? Are they going to let Aaron Rodgers go to another Super Bowl? And that's the biggest question here. So maybe they have to make the sacrifice there with Devontae Adams, but unfortunately for the Bears fans, I can't see much of a Packers regression here. I mean, they have a two-time back-to-back MVP. The other thing that uh, the Bears fans also may not like to hear is that the Packers defense is the one that's loaded in this division now. They've got guys on every level that can make plays here, and I really think the Packers are a complete team, and they had to sacrifice Devontae Adams. You can't pay your quarterback that much money. You can't pay your wide receiver that much money at the same time. So they had to let someone go so they could keep the rest of their team strong. So you look at the Packers defense, that's going to be big. I think this is their best defense that they've had, and sorry to bring this up, since that wild card run to the Super Bowl where they went through the Bears and won there in a Super Bowl 45. So this might be their best team overall, minus that uh, second uh, and first wide receiver spot that you look at the Packers, they're loaded, no question with the offensive line. They got two great running backs. Defense looks good. Coaching is good. Just about winning the playoffs. And uh, Aaron Rodgers, 
it just hasn't had that game to come through, but he's also running into Tom Brady and other types of uh, teams that can stop him. So this has to be the year. They got to get to pass the 49ers, the Buccaneers, the Rams, wherever it takes. They have that potential here. So I don't really see much of a regression for the Packers. And I think they're going to be right there. It's all about now. The only thing left is getting back and winning that Super Bowl. All right, let's talk about uh, Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. I just this is on my mind. I watched this uh, pretty funny to, uh, exchange. Not much really a debate, more as like guys yelling at each other between uh, Stephen A. Smith and Mad Dog uh, on the Stephen. I guess it's the Stephen A. Smith show, and Mad Dog is just sitting in. I'm not quite sure what, but it was, they had a snippet on an ESPN. I don't know if you saw this, Vinny. And they were just screaming at each other. <laughs> Stephen A. Smith is a huge fan of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and Mad Dog said uh, he pointed out that Aaron Rodgers' record in the playoffs did not know this was eleven and ten, eleven and ten, which is the height of mediocrity. It's roughly fifty percent. Uh, it doesn't get any me- more mediocre than that. At which point, uh, Mad Dog said, "You know, he's like he's he's about on par with Jared Goff." And I thought Stephen A. Smith's head was going to explode. So, uh, in terms of that debate, do you think it was uh, unfair, uh, a Mad Dog, to say that? Uh, Aaron Rodgers is on par with Jared Goff. Do you think uh, Stephen, or do you think Stephen A. Smith uh, is guilty of hyping uh, the credentials of uh, Aaron Rodgers? Well, Ben, I know you're an NBA guy and you love your Bulls. And uh, Stephen A. Smith is an NBA guy. And what I have problems with sometimes as analysis is he's treating the NFL like the NBA. Now, the NBA, if you're LeBron James, is something. Stephen A. Smith might say, if you're LeBron James, you're playing offense and defense, you're a good chunk of the game. You're controlling a lot of the action on the court there, right? There's not a lot of guys out there making plays. But when you're the quarterback of a team, you can be great. You can have an MVP season. But what do you need help from? You need help from the offensive line, receivers, the defense, the special teams, the coaching, situational things that have to go in your favor here. And Matthew Stafford won the Super Bowl, but do you say Matthew Stafford is a better quarterback right now than Aaron Rodgers? No. He had two of the best defensive players on the planet helping him win the Super Bowl. So I think people try to turn football into an individual sport. It's not the same. Like, there's this line of separation. Michael Jordan is far superior to Charles Barkley because he was able to win that championship multiple times, or Charles couldn't win one by himself. So that's a big difference. But in football, there's not that line. you got to have all the things fall into place, especially now. There's some weird things that have happened. He's also carried some teams that, quite frankly, were not that good and shouldn't have been in the playoffs to begin with. So that's what you have to weigh here. You're just winning the tournament. And I think the more times you get in there, get to take your shots, it's going to happen. And you'd say if you win 13 games for three consecutive seasons, you're overdue, man. And I think this is the – time i think the packers break through and everyone else has got that chance so i think it's their turn maybe this year by the way i just cannot resist i must say this yes i am an nba guy yes i love my beloved chicago bulls uh yes i uh revere uh, michael uh, jeffrey jordan but charles barkley uh was an outstanding basketball player never had never had anything closely approximating the kind of uh, uh support that michael jordan had so as much as I love Jordan, I think it's really unfair. I know you weren't really doing this, but yeah. it's unfair for people to criticize Barkley because the closest he came was 93. And that, I mean, he had Kevin Johnson on that team. And 
you know, yeah. Michael Jordan had Scottie Pippen, who's one of the greatest uh, forwards of all time. You know, so it's I just a little yeah. defensive, Charles Barkley. A, there. Yeah, no, it's a little defensive. But you look at uh, just those careers. So where where do you rank NBA greatest players? You know, there's definitely a separation between the guys who won a lot of rings and the guys who didn't. So yeah. I mean, you see that on every list. So I know, uh, I know. and and I think we do that with every sport. And uh, if Aaron Rodgers, however, gets two, I mean, he's not less recorded that than Eli Manning. Eli Manning has two rings, but he had a lot of help on defense and won yes. a couple of games that way. So you can't put everything on the quarterback anymore because basically almost every team, and maybe the Bears will join that club soon, has a pretty good quarterback in this league for the most part with a few exceptions. Well, all right, let's go back to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he's on my mind for reasons uh, not really related to the field. Uh, having to do with his stance on COVID and vaccinations. I listened to portions of his interview with Joe Rogan, uh, which aired, I think, on Saturday, uh, where he was uh, criticizing the NFL, criticizing the Packers, uh, and defending his position where he wasn't going to be vaccinated. He essentially was saying they were bullying him uh, and demeaning him by calling him a conspiracy theorist. Uh, at the same time, I must point this out. I just read, uh, Vinny, that Josh Gordon, uh, stepped down, retired. The, the wide receiver was drafted by the Cleveland Browns, showed pr- tremendous potential. I can't recall. It was at least, uh, I want to say five or so times he was suspended in his career uh, for violating the substance abuse policies of the NFL. And I, I, I just really struggle with this. Like, a, I'm basically a libertarian in many ways, Vinny. I do not know why there's any, like, support and sympathy so much support and sympathy for the aaron Rodgers position uh about resisting the vaccine and there's so much like indifference or hostility to josh gordon this guy i mean what what's who cares if he was drinking i mean it's bad for him but it's not an advantage for any football team if he's consuming alcohol or smoking reefer it's it's not a competitive advantage why is that even illegal in the nfl I, so I, I, I struggle with this. It's like a contradiction in my mind. How do you see it? Yeah, I mean, uh, because of Aaron Rodgers, I've had to Google what Panchakarma cleanse was. I had to Google what Ayu, Ayahuasca is, that I never heard of these things before Aaron Rodgers came along. I never thought I was going to have to do that with any athlete to figure out what these things are. So, yeah, the, the drug stuff in America in general is all over the board, right? If, you pay a lot to a pharmaceutical company and you take their stuff. I mean, that's totally fine, right? We're all cool with that. You can be addicted to those type of drugs. And we've seen it with Brett Favre. Remember, he was talking about his painkiller addiction and all that. So it is painful to play in the NFL. It is painful to play in any physical sport. And uh, I, I think it makes a lot of sense that you would want to kind of take a break and maybe find uh, something that works for you that you say is natural and you have weird things that you may want to do with your particular body where you think that this is better than the other things that other people are taking. So yeah, to me, I mean, first of all, with with marijuana at this point, it's kind of ridiculous where there's even a concern about that with athletes. It's legal too many places where if it is going to ease their pain a little bit of playing in this violent, terrible sport, a little bit sometimes, I mean, fine. So 
I, I just think that the NFL is a little bit behind on that a little bit in terms of just saying, look, they should be treated like other people in society. If this is something painful for them and they're in a legal state or have the means to acquire it, that let them do it. And it, it shouldn't be, this is okay. And this is not okay. And all these things that are across the board here, it's, it's, it's tough to play in the NFL. That's the bottom line. Aaron Rodgers, I mean, maybe that's all the stuff in his head with his uh, breakups and engagements and then engagements that didn't work out. And now he's uh, apparently dating a hippie somewhere that maybe he has to find himself too <laughs> again as you're playing in sports. And uh, you got to let these guys do that because I think we just look at them as guys that trot out. There are these uh, dolls that go out and play sports, but they're human beings too. And they need uh, to be understood a little bit better. And I think Aaron Rodgers has helped us do that. Even if we don't love him or we think he's a bit weird, he's still being real. And sometimes we appreciate that. I actually agree with you. It's really hard for me to say this. I, I took a lot of shots at Aaron Rodgers uh, last year at the height of uh, his battle with the NFL over uh, not getting vaccinated. I thought he was uh, hypocritical and fraudulent. And I stipulated it and I said it and I got it out there. Uh, but I, I must say, the and and that I appreciate individualism uh, in football. I'm, I'm really talking about football here because football has, you, you know, it has like this reputation for reducing just uh, players to being replaceable parts, uh, and it doesn't really tolerate uh, individualism uh, on the field. And so, anybody who just stands out in any way, I kind of like tip my hat to them sometimes if they stand out too far they go too far like in that MAGA direction I'm like all right there's a couple football players that I find offensive because they're so pro MAGA but uh, Aaron Rodgers seems to straddle that line and now he's going through this you're right this new age thing where he's letting his hair grow and you know he's talking about finding his inner man or whatever and so more power to you Aaron you know wherever you're gonna go I I, I appreciate that but I I do do think he's never really uh, owned up of any to his inconsistencies uh, and the reality that, of course, this was a very serious pandemic we were facing uh, and he wasn't really doing much to advance what I thought was the cause of humanity by urging people to get immunized. So I, that's where I, I kind of stand with it. But even as a Bear fan, I have to acknowledge he's not only a great quarterback, but he's an interesting guy. Go ahead. Your thoughts. Yeah, he. He definitely brings that NBA sense of individualism, right? We like that in the NBA, that everyone is kind of uh, operating on their own way, as weird as it is, and we want to know where Kevin Durant's going, who wants to take with him, who does LeBron want to partner up with this season, who wants to go play with uh, Steph Curry and Draymond Green. So we love the individualism, and like we have so many good NBA. I mean, Draymond Green is one of them that I like. It's just out there and again and can be who he wants to be where the nfl you're right tries to make everyone go by the same script all the quarterbacks have to be these clean cut dudes that uh follow a certain script and look a certain way and people get uncomfortable when somebody's challenging that a little bit now aaron Rodgers, i don't agree with him on the vaccination and uh, for other parts of his kind of mindset i think he's a very intelligent guy but i don't quite get that i don't quite get it with anybody who's uh, not getting vaccinated where there's not much controversy to that like there's just no reason not to do it 
when you can help other people here. So uh, that part I'm not a fan of, but like if you want to experiment, do this all, all this other stuff and uh, go through his own journey, fine. And if he's going to be transparent about it, fine. I mean, it, it just makes it more interesting. And guess what? We're talking about Aaron Rodgers a lot more than any other quarterback in the league because of all this. Absolutely. I agree. And I just wish, uh, Aaron, uh, I just wish you'd been standing up for Josh Gordon when he was uh, suspended for smoking reefer. Just saying, Aaron, if you're, if yeah. that's what uh, boosts you along. All right. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks who are not so clean cut, uh, putting it mildly, your thoughts on Deshaun Watson. Been following this uh, case for a while. Uh, former great quarterback from Houston. Now he's been traded to Cleveland Browns. Uh, why don't you just give uh, folks your take on whether you think uh, it was hypocritical for the Cleveland Browns to trade him, give him all uh, that large contract, given all the accusations against him, or whether they were being open-minded and tolerant? Well, I think in general, talent is going to drive any player's availability in this league. That's the bottom line is that if you're not talented, they're not going to go after you. And Deshaun Watson is extremely talented. So they're not going to give up on a guy that easily, especially when there's no criminal charges attached and there's some ambiguity about the NFL's personal conduct policy. Now, they sent a clear message here, raising that suspension from six games to 11. So I, I think they had to because the court of public opinion was getting all over the NFL. Just the volume of the accusers and just the nature of this case, like they had to kind of come with an equal and opposite reaction to this. And it's unfortunate. And uh, Deshaun Watson, I think it's now as appropriate can, can be at this stage. And you also have to think about some other twists and turns of this case that look at Ben Roethlisberger, remember where he was several seasons ago and now where are we at with Ben Roethlisberger he's being lauded he's the blood stealer running off into the sunset he's going to be in the pro football hall of fame now nobody seems to bring up that he was having some of the same things that were popping up with Deshaun Watson so I don't know if that is a race factor at all in that where it's a different circumstances at a different time but I think you have to be fair to the situation and Look, it, maybe they were light on both Ben Roethlisberger and Deshaun Watson in the NFL over the years. So, but you can't go ahead and praise Ben Roethlisberger and say he's going to Hall of Famer. He's we love him with the Steelers, and then just say Deshaun Watson is the worst person on the face of the earth. You can't operate that way. You just have to accept the fact that there's going to be the shadiness in sports, especially when there's that talented player. There's just going to be more a kind of accommodation made for that type of player. Here as much as possible because in the end it's a business. The Browns are a business. The league is a business. They want the best product out there. Deshaun Watson is part of that. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, I must confess, there were two names I used to bandy about whenever I railed a few years ago against Ryan Pace. So as I've said many times and will repeatedly say until I just lost all control of my brain, uh, Ryan Pace drafted, traded up to take Mitch Trubisky, and I was going, and he bypassed Patrick Mahomes. Well, he also bypassed Deshaun Watson. In fact, uh, there's a bit, I don't know if you ever watched the Larry David show, uh, there's a, a, a bit in the Larry David show where Larry's bemoaning the fact that his beloved New York Jets also bypassed a Deshaun Watson. So it's not just Bear fans but uh, who appreciate it. But you're absolutely correct. Uh, I guess there's... Uh, 
a desire to look past the person's uh, crimes and misdemeanors if they if you think they're going to be good in the field and just to forget all about it when it comes to performance on the field. You're right. If he was a mediocre quarterback, he'd be gone. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind as opposed to signing a multi-million dollar contract. All right. Uh, we're going to close by getting your thoughts on the Big Ten. And uh, as I said at the uh, outset, uh, Vinny and I share a love for Northwestern. He went to Northwestern. I grew up in Evanston, so I'm a townie. Uh, Vinny, it's a, it's a real, I don't kick myself sometime. I could have picked any team in the Big Ten to root for. I had no allegiance. And I picked <laughs> Northwestern. Uh, and it's been many years of futility. Every now and then, uh, they stumble to a victory. I, I think it was, uh, they made it to the Big, didn't they make it to the Big Ten Championship only to see Justin Fields yes. uh, annihilate them a few years ago? Uh, yeah, I mean, you look at this program since 1995, and I was fortunate to be a sophomore at the time uh, when they went to the Rose Bowl and all that hoopla happened with Pat Fitzgerald on the field. He's the defensive player of the year. He had Gary, Gary Barnett. And I didn't go to Northwestern for the football team. No, I didn't even know that I was going to be into college football when I chose Northwestern. But it just took over my life those two years, uh, 95 and 96, uh, playing in the Rose Bowl, then the next year uh, playing Peyton Manning in the Citrus Bowl at the time. So it just took over my life. And uh, Northwestern, you have to say, over the years, they've overachieved. And uh, I've been in the pleads in the Pat Fitzgerald era. There's just something about it, that energy of that program. It's going to be every other year. They're not going to be one of those teams that's a powerhouse every year because they have to reload, rebuild. But it's exciting for them to still be seen as a national team when college football, <laughs> as we know, it is being turned upside down and all these like smaller brand name teams are just kind of being washed out of it. Yeah. Well, let's uh, close with that. And uh, I get a lot of questions from uh, friends of mine who are not sports fans. I think I know everything about sports because I'm a junkie, uh, sports junkie that is. Uh, and uh, they keep asking me, why, how could UCLA be in the big 10? And and how could like well for that matter Maryland because the Big Ten used to be a cluster of middle mid uh, midwestern colleges and universities excuse me so Benny help me what's uh in your opinion uh, the expansion of the Big Ten all about well I think it's going coast to coast with the Big Ten and that's what that decision to bring in Rutgers and Maryland was all about all of a sudden we had the New York New Jersey market and the DC market we think. But that's not going to work. I mean, people don't, still don't care that much about those programs there out on the East Coast. So, okay, so that East Coast didn't work. So then we're going to try the West Coast expansion and see if that might uh, strike someone uh, fancy and uh, bring more attention to the conference. So it just seems wrong. It seems wrong that you're playing in UCLA's home stadium, that you often play USC in the Rose Bowl, Big Ten, Pac-10 to Pac-12. That was the Rose Bowl. That's not going to happen anymore. We're just blowing up all the traditions here just because we want to have a coast-to-coast -coast conference, make gazillions of dollars here, really help the big-name teams, line everyone's pocket here. And the kids out there now with the NIL, they're looking for their piece of it as well. So it is not what we're used to. Just uh, when Northwestern made the Rose Bowl run in 1995, this is not the college football we're used to. It's just about trying to push it into domination and super conferences and all these teams playing there together. So we'll see how it plays out. I'm skeptical. 
I don't necessarily want to uh, stay up till midnight uh, East Coast time to watch Northwestern play a game at UCLA. Don't feel like doing that, but I might have to do that at some point. I want all my teams uh, somewhat nearby, and it's tough. I mean, I think the whole point of conferences, regionalization of sports, rivalries, all that part is what makes college football special. They're starting to lose that in looking for the big money here, and that's what worries me a little bit. Yeah, I think you're – that last uh, phrase, big money. They should stop calling it the Big Ten and call it the big money. Uh, cause that's all. And it's so weird. I just got, as a Northwestern fan, we are at the bottom of the big 10 in terms of the culture of football. I mean, we're not at the bottom of the big 10 year to year in terms of production on the field. I'm just talking, you know, this Vinny, you've been to game September 10th. I'm not sure the students will be there. I go to that Duke game. I, yeah. Half the stadium will be empty. When Ohio state comes to town, I have, I'll be going to that game November 5th, at least at least, Vinny, 50% of that crowd will be wearing Ohio State colors, all right? Somehow or other, Northwestern staggers on uh, and is competitive. It's it's really kind of a a testament to uh, the coach, as you said. They stagger on, be competitive in this environment, and they just don't have that culture. I keep thinking they're going to kick them out of the Big Ten. You know what I'm saying? Like, all right, you guys leave. But I guess they're not going to do that. Not quite sure why they don't even try, but uh, very strange. Yes, it is no longer the Big Ten that I grew up. It's not even ten, by the way. Just so you know that, ladies and gentlemen. I forget how many teams are in the Big Ten now, Vinny. I, 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 I can't. I can't keep track. Is it sixteen? Is it twenty-five? I don't know. It'll be, <laughs> it'll be a quarter of the country will be in the Big Ten soon. Um, they need to fill in all the gaps there in the in the Mountain Time Zone that they haven't hit yet. So I'm sure they'll do that eventually, but. Uh, yeah, Northwestern is kind of that little exclusive club of a few people that uh, you don't root for the team unless you're from Evanston and that area, and you went to the school. Those are really the only people that root for Northwestern. You don't have very casual Northwestern fans where you have a lot of that for Notre Dame, Ohio State, oh. these bigger schools, Alabama. They all have their share of casual fans that we don't have. We're a very small community, but – I have to say, Northwestern fans are some of the most passionate. They've been through the ups and downs. It's a torture. So we all commiserate with each other. And that's partly what makes our community so strong here. That I'm excited to see pictures of people went to Dublin and saw the, the wind. And, and, I've got, and I, I'm not going to kid you at all on this one, Ben. I, I, I did a count. I've seen them play now in 18 states. That's a lot. And <laughs> why I don't know, and uh, um, but they we, they're they're a thing we can't quit, right? I mean, it brings us together, brings our friends together. We can text each other about the game, uh, and, and now it's uh, it's fun because you know you don't know what you're going to get from your team any given year. If you get a nine win season, you're over. The moon, where if you get nine wins at Ohio State or Michigan, the coach is probably getting fired. But if you get a nine-win season, you're just excited because you didn't expect anything. So I, I think uh, it's nice to be represented so well. And I, I'm just surprised how many times that they play big games in prime time and all that in, in key spots. But I think because the 
numbers might be small, but we know we've got a lot of celebrities. We've got a lot of heavyweights. They're a good fan backing. We've got the big names. We've got Stephen Colbert. you got Seth Meyers. It's just the name recognition of all these people that went to Northwestern. Everyone trying to compete to be the biggest fan. Who's the biggest celebrity fan? And that's what it is. And it's kind of, that's our pride, right? Uh, you have uh, Harvard and Yale, and they have their own source of pride. But Northwestern's our pride that we're this cool journalism school that is on the lake, and we're really beautiful campus and a great area. And this is our little thing. This is our little party that we have for each other, um, good or bad. It's a lot of fun, and it brings us together. Absolutely. That's, that was a great riff. Well done. And I give a shout out to my dear friend, uh, one of my oldest friends in the world, Kevin Blackstone, who shares my passion for Northwestern, comes in every year. There's a reunion. Uh, and uh, <laughs> he sat through some of the worst football games you can imagine. Uh, were you a, a journalist? I do not know this. Vinny. Did you come to Northwestern to study journalism or did you have a different major? No, I I came in doing that. I was intending to do other stuff, but then I said I don't I don't need to do the other stuff. So I I really enjoyed my time there. But the biggest thing I take away, I do I remember much from the classes there? Absolutely not. I mean I I did okay as a journalist. I, I think I could have done better. But what I remember, and you know this well, I mean look at the lifelong buddies that you have just yeah. connected Northwestern. You got. Kevin and those uh, tailgates that happen every year. And we've got our boys and girls and all these people that are out there. So I and a treater, a hell crowd. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty <laughs> awesome that we have that. And look, that's, that's the bottom line. That's going to save college football, no matter what is that these communities and connections that we make over it. And uh, on the other side of it uh, for my wife, it's the Notre Dame stuff and it's all Notre Dame on the other side oh, so I have to God. deal with that but at least the one thing about Notre Dame having Notre Dame is I can go to a big college football game with a little bit less pressure I can watch the Ohio State Notre Dame game enjoy it don't worry too much about the result but then I enjoy oh this is what a real fan base is like this is what a real tailgate is like so I get a little bit of that I get a little bit of this fortunate to go to different levels of college football so NFL is my job Ben college football is where I find this every Saturday that I can make it happen. So, All right. That was well put. That was a great riff to close as well. And I just, I'll close by just saying this, the only, probably the only team in America that approaches my dislike uh, of, for the Green Bay Packers is anything Notre Dame. Uh, Boston Celtics are up there somewhere uh, as well. And uh, oh, St. Louis Cardinals. All right, I'm going to stop there because that's, the, that's not possible. You're killing me or kill me. Yeah, yeah, he was Cardinals. He's a Cardinal. Yeah. So. All right, Vinny, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to talk to me. And uh, great job. Appreciate you uh, coming on the show. Yeah, thanks again, Ben. Anytime you want to uh, talk NFL, uh, Big Ten, anything else, I'll be here. So just give me a shout. Good times. Thank you. That's a great, Vinny. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody.